conservatives lose their mind over the fact that a kid show has said that Lincoln didn't free the slaves. I'll talk about it on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. It's great to be back on Monday. Great to start the week off with a listener-generated episode. But before we do, make sure you go over to McClanahanAcademy.com. McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History, when you do enroll. And then purchase one or 20 of my classes there. They're great. If you like the podcast, you're going to love the classes. And they keep this podcast free of charge. So head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. Sign up. Get the free class. And then purchase a class or many classes if you wish. I do have a new class coming out sometime this month, so look for that. If you're on my email list, if you go to brianmcclanahan.com, get on the e- in the email list, and you'll you'll know that, right? You'll know that the new class is coming out. You'll know what the coupon's going to be. I always offer a discount, so it's going to be great. You can also, of course, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you like it. Give it that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. If you're on YouTube, comment. Click on the Super Thanks button. Do all you can to share it around on social media. That way more people listen to the show. And of course, we get more think locally, act locally people in America. All right, so I was sent this uh, by a couple of different people. but um, And of course, there is a little lag here. This was last week, but I already had last week in the can. So um, we're going to cover this today, and what I find fascinating about this is that the only part of this particular video that was actually accurate is the one that conservatives uh, oppose perhaps the most, and there's a reason for that. Conservatism in America, at least the modern form of it, is built on the proposition nation myth. And when you puncture holes in that particular myth, they get very uneasy about that. Southern conservatives never believed it, really. I mean, and so for the accusations that are made here, they would have just said, okay, um, we don't believe in the proposition myth at all. So the left-wing drivel that comes out of things like the 1619 Project or this particular television show, this kid's show, would have all been considered false because there's nothing to it. Uh, It's all based on a lie, the proposition nation myth. But when you believe in that myth and there are holes punched in the myth, well, that makes you very uneasy. It's it's something that you really can't tolerate that well. And so this is why this particular television show, this kid's show, has had such an impact on American conservatives right now. The main thing, though, again, that they were that they complained about is that Lincoln didn't free the slaves. So we're going to talk about that today. Did Lincoln free any slaves? What was the effect of Republican wartime policies? And was it really slavery or emancipation that caused the greatest problem for American slaves? And when I say emancipation, the way it was accomplished in America, particularly in the wartime period and then shortly thereafter. Because we had different phases of emancipation in America, One phase of emancipation, of course, was the earliest phases of emancipation in the northern states, in the mid-Atlantic states. And then there was wartime emancipation. And uh, we're going to discuss the differences. So the first thing I want to do is play the little video. 
Okay, and then I'm going to comment on some of the things, of course, that are some of the charges that are made in the video. But I'm going to play the little video. Uh, it's only a minute and 45 seconds long. And so we can um, discuss what the video says and some of the things about it. But then we're going to get into the part with Lincoln and, uh, and emancipation. But this, of course, comes from the uh, social media account Wokeness. And Christopher Rufo has uh, retweeted it. It's gotten, as I'm looking at this, over 1 million views. And what, let me say this about it. Nobody would pay attention to this if it wasn't for conservatives getting up in arms over it. In fact, I could probably say this is a Disney television show um, that most people wouldn't even have watched this stupid show. They just wouldn't have watched it. Nobody cares about this show. It didn't have any, I mean, unless conservatives are complaining about it, you haven't seen anything about it. Now, Disney, of course cancels uh, the Song of the South, but yet promotes this. So there are some issues with Disney here. But regardless, one of those shows, Song of the South, actually promoted reconciliation and harmony. And the other, this one promotes uh, divisiveness and activism. That's what this entire show is really about. So let me go back and, uh, and get this going for you. And we'll listen to it. This country was built on slavery, which means slaves built this country. Tilled this land from sea to sea to sea. First it was rice, tobacco, sugar cane. Then Whitney did his thing and cotton became king. And we were its soldiers. Four, Four million, million strong. Fighting for America's freedoms, even though we remained America's slaves. slaves. Built this country. The descendants of slaves continue to build this. Slaves built this country. And we, the descendants of slaves in America, have earned reparations for their suffering. And continue to earn reparations every moment we spend submerged in the system. Systemic prejudice, racism, and white supremacy that America was founded with and still has not atoned for. Slaves built this country. Not only field hands, but carpenters, masons, blacksmiths, musicians, inventors built cities from Jamestown to New Orleans to Bannockhurst, Washington. Forty acres and a mule. We'll take the forty acres, keep the mule. We, we made your families rich. From the southern plantation heirs to the northern bankers to the New England ship owners, the founding fathers, former presidents, current senators, the Illuminati, the New World Order. Slaves built this country. We had Tubman, Turner, Frederick D. Then they say Lincoln freed the slaves. But slaves were men. And women. And only we can free ourselves. Emancipation is not freedom. Jim Crow, segregation, redlining, public schools, feeding private prisons, where we become slaves again. As we celebrate Juneteenth for, for the umpteenth time, our account is still outstanding. Because this country was built on slavery, which means slaves built this country. And we demand our 40 acres and a mule. You can keep the mule. Keep the 40. We're taking our freedom. All right. So that's the little one minute and 45 second clip from this kid's television show on Disney. Now, let me get into the, the, uh, some of the intonation in this. Um, and I've done this on the show before, but slave, right? So slavery, this is often how uh, that particular word, it's elongated. It's very interesting how this happens. You know, it's done for dramatic effect. And uh, this show is no different. But the other thing about it, starting from a perspective that slaves built this country, because that's, that's the thing they say over and over again, slaves built this country. This is complete Marxist drivel. Uh, without capital, there is no building of anything. And 
Uh, slaves, of course, were a dominant labor force in the South. Uh, slaves had been a labor force throughout the 13 American states when the United States was created, founded, uh, during the American War for Independence, through the Articles of Confederation, by the way, not the Declaration. That was a defounding document. But regardless, uh, you did have slavery in every one of the 13 states. That is, slaves build the country. Well, as a labor force, you could say that about any labor force. Did the Chinese build the country when they built the railroads? Did the Irish build the country when they worked in factories? Uh, I mean, you could say that about any labor force at any time. This is, again, Marxist drivel to say that the laboring classes built, quote-unquote, whatever system they're in, whatever country they're in. But again, without capital, there is no building of anything. Slaves didn't have any implements, tools, animals, seed, uh, ginning equipment, uh, processing equipment, carts, riverboat transportation. They didn't have any of that. Cotton by itself or sugarcane or tobacco are worthless unless you can process those things. And that requires, of course, capital to do it. Now, you need a labor force to go out and get these things. And so slaves provided that labor force in certain parts of the United States. But you also had a lot of free farmers that were doing the exact same thing. In the South, you had, uh, you had farmers, uh, both white and black, but of course more white, uh, free property owners throughout the United States growing cash crops as well without any slaves. Um, so this is a little bit simplistic, but of course that's the point of a kid's show. And it shows you really how stupid and simplistic all of these leftist arguments are. They appeal to children. That's, that's the intellectual level that would eat this stuff up. People that have about a 7th grade or a 6th grade understanding of American society. Really, at the end of the day. So, of course, no lefty is going to go out and criticize this part of this clip. Conservatives will criticize this, but the thing again that conservatives were most upset about is that they didn't say in this video that Lincoln freed the slaves. They pointed to black abolitionists and not Abraham Lincoln. And so I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but the, the rest of the video is just typical of the 1619 Project garbage. Um, now the one thing that I find fascinating about this is that the video actually points out at the end that it's not really slavery, but emancipation that created much of the current problems in race relations in American society and the way that emancipation was carried out in the South, immediate emancipation. This is something that, of course, uh, Alexander Stevens asked Abraham Lincoln about at the Hampton Roads Conference, and Lincoln's response was slaves could root hog or die. So there wasn't really any kind of emancipation plan except to free slaves uh, get them out of bondage, and then make them workers. This was their plan. Free wage, free wage workers, generally for the, for the um, federal government, but then maybe for something else. And of course, the video points out the 40 acres and a mule myth, which was never going to happen. Uh, there was some effort to do that, at least at one part in the war, by uh, people like Fremont. But uh, that was quickly rescinded by the Lincoln administration. So when you start attacking Abraham Lincoln, and you start attacking this position of, you know, reparations even after the war, or uh, you know, some type of compensated emancipation, which wasn't going to happen, Lincoln actually floated the plan, floated a compensated emancipation plan, which was rejected by the Republicans because they said it would cost too much. 
Lincoln was a little more humane about this, at least in that way, than the Republican Party. The Republican Party wanted nothing to do with that. They wanted simple emancipation so that they could get these people as a cheap labor force and then votes because you made them dependent on the Republican Party and the federal government. And so in that case, they're going to win elections. There is something nefarious about that. And of course, there's a couple of really interesting books on this. Uh, Paul Escott's book, What Shall We Do With the Negro?, is a very interesting book on this. And he points out, and these are all mainstream academic historians, by the way. They're not, you know, some type of you know, pro-South, uh, you know, neo-Confederate historians. But Paul Escott points out in his book that northern states had the opportunity after the war was over to make political equals of former slaves or freed blacks, and they refused to do so, including places like Connecticut, which denied blacks the ability to vote. So there is a pretty complex situation happening here in America after emancipation. But what about emancipation itself? Did Lincoln free any slaves? That's a big question. And you can look at the practical or the legal part of this. And there's a real nuance to this. So Lincoln does in 1862 issue the preliminary emancipation proclamation, which did not go into effect until 1863. What I find fascinating about that, of course, is you had this uh, video by uh, razor fist that uh, was very popular for a time on YouTube. I think it's still you know pretty popular. And I thought about uh, doing a, a podcast on the video, but um, other people had done it. So, but he made the of course the claim that um, Lincoln issued the proclamation because of Union victories, but also because of the fact, and he did that. He initial Emancipation Proclamation because there was a Union victory, a major Union victory. Uh, which was followed up by a major Union loss at uh, Fredericksburg, major Union victory at uh, Sharpsburg, and and then a major Union loss at uh, Fredericksburg. But regardless, uh, you have the Emancipation Proclamation issued officially in January of 1863. In December of 1862, Lincoln goes before Congress and talks about what emancipation would potentially look like. And his plan had a couple of parts to it. One, Emancipation would be gradual, meaning that it would take years to accomplish, and he wanted to have a constitutional amendment that would do this. Why? Because Lincoln recognized he had no legal power whatsoever to free any slaves. He was freeing slaves only in the places that were in open, quote-unquote, rebellion to the general government, and he exempted the places that were actually under Union control. So he was very clear in that he had no power to free any slaves anywhere except in places he had no power. So see, he really didn't free any slaves. There's nothing that's controversial about this or conspiratorial. Christopher Russo said this is an insane conspiracy theory that Lincoln did not free the slaves. That's not an insane conspiracy theory. That's based on fact. He didn't free any slaves. Slavery still existed till December of 1865 when it ended with the 13th Amendment. And not just that, there were still slave auctions in November of 1865 in Kentucky. That was a Union state, right? So Lincoln didn't free any slaves, any place that he had any control. Now, of course, Lincoln's dead by November of 1865, but the Republican Party didn't free any slaves. So he was very careful about where this would work and where it wouldn't, and he offered the series of amendments. One, gradual emancipation that could take into the 1920s. Two, uh, he pushed his colonization message, and he had approached the largest slave owner in Delaware uh, during the war, who was a Republican, and said, look, what's it going to cost? And he came up with a figure, a number, to free slaves. And Lincoln approached 
Republicans with that. And they said, absolutely not. We're not going to do it. We're not going to pay for freeing slaves. Now, this is where Don Livingston has done some very good work. And people like Kirkpatrick Sale, who wrote a really interesting book on this, Emancipation Hell, it's really the process of emancipation that created much of the vitriol that this video that I played for you uh, goes through. Because it's the way that slavery ended that produced some of the problems that we see in modern American society with race relations. Because you essentially did free close to 4 million people, not quite 4 million, but close to 4 million people, and you threw them to the wolves. They had nothing but freedom. That is the real tragedy of the entire situation, of the entire war. Now, you impoverished the South, so there was no capital there for people to do anything. And this was openly talked about when the war was over. You had Southerners who had capital. So the South was actually the wealthiest section in the United States before the war, and now it has no capital. It can't pay wages. People can't do anything. This is why they came up with systems like sharecropping and cropping and other things, because they didn't have any capital. They had to kind of say, all right, we'll use this land. We have some, we have physical things like plows and animals that weren't stolen. We have some of these things. We have physical stuff. We even have seed. We have some stuff, but we don't have any capital to pay anybody. So if you go out and you farm the land and you give me some of your crop, well, then you can keep some. And then, of course, the crop lane system developed where they would get all of it. I mean, there are some really, you know, bad things happening here uh, with the way the system would eventually work out because of a lack of education and, and other parts of the system of slavery. But see, a compensated or a gradual emancipation program would have actually accomplished integration into society, or in Lincoln's mind, he would have exported slaves. Uh, that was his real desire up until the time he was assassinated in 1865. He was still trying to figure out where to send former slaves. The Caribbean was an option Africa was an option, um, but the Caribbean was his, was his focus by 1865. So there's all of these nuances going on here. But Lincoln, again, himself realized he couldn't free any slaves. He legally was prohibited from doing so. And even when he issued the Emancipation Proclamation, Benjamin Robbins Curtis, who was a former Supreme Court justice, in fact, had been a dissenting vote in the Dred Scott decision, uh, said that Lincoln, I mean, wrote a very long essay about this, that Lincoln had no power to do any of this. And if you start saying that Lincoln has power to do this under war powers, well, then you're expanding the executive office in ways the founding generation never considered. So, look, there's nothing wrong with this particular video saying that Lincoln wasn't the great emancipator, because he wasn't. Now, you can also look at the practical side of it. Now, I'll take this in nuances. So, Lincoln didn't free any slaves. However, as the Union Army did move through areas, slaves would de facto, not de jure, but de facto, exercise freedom. And they would start forming into bands of people, contraband is what Southerners called them, but bands of people that would follow the Union Army around. And in some cases, they would be drowned in rivers. In other cases, they would be rounded up and put into essentially concentration camps uh, so that they could be used as labor. And uh, there are uh, many documented cases of Union officers approaching slaves and saying, here's what's going to happen. You're going to work. You're going to go out and work in fields. And there had to be some type of labor negotiation here because what they were asking of slaves 
was something that they didn't even do under the system, or former slaves, something they didn't do under the system of slavery. Uh, for example, in the South Carolina region, where you had task systems slaves, which is you were given a task, clear a certain amount of acreage for rice, per, for rice primarily, and then the rest of the day was yours. You had free time. They were being forced into gang labor situations, which was not something that they were used to. And so you did have uh, some contentious uh, situations developing because of this disconnect between what the Union Army, northern views of capital and labor, were being forced on a system that wasn't used to that, and a labor force that wasn't used to that. But then, of course, you had the contraband camps. The contraband camps were, uh, were awful. I mean, these in many cases were extermination camps. The process of emancipation without any plan, without any program for emancipation, without anything, I mean, for these people to do, and was disastrous for the slave population, former slave population. Disease was the biggest killer. And so you had people that would start pointing this out early on in the war. One thing that Walter Fleming would actually point out in the South and the Building of the Nation series is that the practical effect of the Emancipation Proclamation did start pushing slaves into freedom. Um, so there was the practical de facto effect of it, which would ultimately lead to the extinction of slavery. I mean, this is something that people don't ever recognize with Fleming, but he did that. He, in, in the South and the Building of the Nation series, he talked about it. The Documentary History of Reconstruction is a fantastic collection of primary documents about emancipation, uh, the war, uh, the legacy of the war. All of that's in there, pro and con. I mean, it's all there. So F Fleming was a real pro, and he pointed out that, yes, there was a practical effect of the Emancipation Proclamation, and that was releasing these people from bondage on the plantation. They formed these roving bands of former slaves, free people who were following the Union Army around. But there was no clothing, there was no food, there was no shelter, there was no medical care. And uh, that produced a real problem for former slaves. Uh, some people pointed out it would have been better for them to just stay on the plantations where they were because they were at least provided with some of these things while they were there instead of trying to move around with the Union Army because the federal government had no plan and would never develop a plan for really taking care of these people because their plan was Lincoln's root hog or die. So you had a very much an inhumane treatment of people from the Union Army. And there's a book by Oxford University Press. The book is entitled Sick from Freedom. It's written by a man named Jim Downs. Uh, and it gets into this process by which slaves were ushered into camps and then many of them would die. And I want to read just a little bit of this book to you because uh, this is important stuff to get out there. And it's, it's something that establishment historians know about, mainstream historians know about, you at least think they know about it. I mean, again, it's a pretty popular book. Um, but conservatives would bristle at because, of course, that tears down their hero, Abraham Lincoln. Now, before I do that, let me say this about that that hero worship of Lincoln. I get it in some ways. I do get it in some ways. I understand why there is this desire to ensure that the Lincoln myth continues because in some ways in their mind, it's a glue. It's a glue that can hold the United States together. When you tear down the Lincoln myth, you open the door to Marxist drivel like 
this television show, this kid show on Disney. So Lincoln is a hedge against that. This is I, I understand why the Straussians did what they did. I understand why they said, well, you know, Link, uh, Lincoln and, and equality are conservative things. I understand all of that. I know their point, but it won't work. And it won't work because there are too many holes in it historically. You're creating myths. And what I mean not by a myth of just a story, but false stories in this particular case that aren't going to work. So uh, it's better just to avoid the entire proposition nation myth to begin with. Uh, you're You're not going to win that argument because you can't. It's impossible. We have words and then actions. And, and the left is correct that actions in this particular case showed a lack of commitment to the lofty rhetoric of the proposition nation myth. And we have some members of the founding generation believe this stuff. I mean, Thomas Jefferson did. He believed it. Uh, he pursued uh, an, a gradual emancipation in Virginia. Never got it because Virginia was against it. Now, I mean, not large crushing majorities, but... Um, within you know a single vote at times but uh, regardless Virginia was against it so um, the idea that the founding generation was completely on board with Jefferson's rhetoric is false it's also false to say that the entire founding generation was against it you had diversity of opinion but the side that was against it actually won out there were more people against the lofty rhetoric of the decorate declaration and uh, this this idea of you know, the, the proposition nation myth, then there were people uh, you know, for it. So across the United States. So again, um, this is it gets very complex. Well, let me get into this Downs book. So this is what he says, Jim Downs. He begins with a story. He says, in the second year of the Civil War, Harriet Jacobs an ex-slave turned author and reformer, boarded a train in Philadelphia and headed south. Like many others at the train station, Jacobs was on her way to Washington, D.C. to support the war effort. Her mission was to visit freed slaves who had migrated to the capital and then to report on their condition to northern reformers. In describing her journey to William Lloyd Garrison, the famed abolitionist and editor of The Liberator, she wrote, quote, I reached the capital without molestation. Now, what's funny about that is why would she even say that I reached the capital without molestation? She's in the happy promised land of the North where no slave, no black people would ever be molested. But here she is saying that this is news that she wasn't molested in, in, uh, from Philadelphia into the capital, that nobody had any problem with her there. That was news, right? Because in, even in Philadelphia, there could have been issues with this. The morning after her arrival, she went to Duff Green's Row, a government refugee camp for newly emancipated slaves. Quote, I found men, women, and children all huddled together without any distinction or regard to age or sex, she explained. Some of them were in the most pitiable condition. Many were sick with measles, diphtheria, scarlet, and typhoid fever. Some had a few filthy rags to lie on. Others had nothing but the bare floor for a couch. She then described what appeared to be a hospital, yet there was no matron and nothing at hand to administer to the comfort of the sick and dying. She added, there were some many days, as many as 10 deaths reported this place in 24 hours. As she talked to a few of the patients and offered them clothing, blankets, and kind words, she soon realized that the military and government officials who had organized the camp probably did know how badly the freed people were suffering. They knew it. 
They did nothing about it. So this is early in the war. Now you can say, well, there you go, McClanahan. See, emancipation was going on. Lincoln was the great emancipator. Again, the practical effect of the Union Army moving three places would, would allow slaves to test the limits of freedom and move around. Though in some explicit cases, Union Army, Union officers, Union uh, general officers and others would tell these people to go back to the farms and go to work. Uh, this was the case uh, throughout the Lower South, the Deep South in particular. Um, but we do know, that, again, that if there's an opportunity to escape, people were going to test it. They were going to try to do it. Of course, that was going to happen. Now, I I'm going to skip down to uh, another part of this particular conclusion. This is in the conclusion of the book. Down says, the war produced large-scale migrations of soldiers, civilians, and freed slaves that transformed outbreaks of disease into epidemics. The freed people Jacobs met in Duff Green's Row more than likely migrated from the Upper South and other parts of the Confederate theater to Washington, D.C. in the hope of achieving freedom. The North represented the so-called Promised Land, and while that, this remained theoretically true, in practice, freed people were forced to live in camps that were dangerous and unhealthy. Additionally, in that time it took to reach their destination, ex-slaves often became sick because they lacked adequate clothing, food, and shelter during their journey. So what Downs is admitting here is that uh, these people in testing their freedom and looking for salvation in the Union Army in the North, it never came. That they didn't have any supplies when they left. You had some disruption, of course, of the southern economy during the war, and so therefore they weren't having any of their needs met because they didn't have anything when they left. Uh, you know, they could take a few things, but they really firmly believed that if they got to the north, that it would just be open. They could go do whatever they want, have land, whatever it was. But that wasn't going to be the case because the Union Army wasn't, and the federal government wasn't going to do that. There was no policy for these people. Let me tell you what their policy was because Down gets, Downs gets into that. He says, the war had successfully dismantled the institution of slavery, but it raised a whole new set of questions about how society should be reorganized, of which public health was just one aspect. Jacob's letter to Garrison reveals this problem. Due to the fact that there was no institutional structure to respond to the suffering and sickness of emancipated slaves, abolitionists initially attempted to fill the void. Jacob's report of freed people huddling together in the most pitiable condition was published in The Liberator a leading abolitionist, abolitionist newspaper, in an effort to raise money, clothing, and support for emancipated slaves. As free people waited in refugee camps for abolitionists to send food, clothing, and other forms of relief, military and federal authorities saw economic value in their bodies. Similar to antebellum, slave pens where enslaved people were kept before they were auctioned and sold to a bidder in the Deep South, Duff Green's Row was used as a holding ground for ex-slaves, while the military and federal government determined how they would capitalize on the labor that their bodies could produce. The creation of the medical division of the Freedmen's Bureau sought to facilitate these efforts. Facilitate these efforts. Not alleviate, but facilitate. Why? Hospitals then served, I'm sorry, the establishment of hospitals enabled military officials to separate the sick from those they deemed able-bodied and thereby employable. Hospitals then served as shelters for so-called dependent freed people, namely women, children, elderly, and the destitute. Military officials 
Also subscribe to the free labor theory that employment could cure the thousands of sick and dying freed slaves behind union lines. According to their logic, if freed people were given employment opportunities, they could become economically independent and self-supporting and less susceptible to illness. Now, look at what's happening here. You have an ideology, free labor ideology. We just put these people to work. It's going to solve all their problems. You have two clashing systems butting up against each other. And it's, it's again, apparent right here what's happening. So it's an ideology. If we just put these people to work, they're going to get better. Everything's going to be great. We're going to keep the destitute and the sick pens where they're all going to die. And we're going to get the males out and we're going to send them to work. We're going to put them building trenches and fortifications and all kinds of things for the Union Army. The creation of Freedmen's Hospitals, however, functioned at cross-purposes. While these institutions were designed to alleviate suffering and sickness, the federal government's fear that freed people would become dependent on the government for support limited the amount of aid given to these hospitals, which often left doctors without the adequate support, resources, and personnel to combat illness. So again, it's the Republicans. Well, we don't want these people dependent on us. We don't want that at all. They're going to. I mean, we can't give them stuff. They're going to become. They're going to become a you know a proletariat, a dependent working, a dependent class of people. Well. These are the arguments that were being used before the war, right? So you have people that were dependent. I mean, for whatever slavery was, it created dependent people. It created them as dependent people on a system for the basic necessities of life. Well, you break that system, and then what's going to happen? They're going to be dependent on something else because that's what they expect. It, you, you, can, you can understand the entire situation. These people, well, I'm free. What does that mean? Well, I... I don't have any of these things that were given to me before. So now I got to find them somewhere else. Well, uh, but they get sick in the process. They don't understand the free labor system that way it works that Northerners think they should understand. And so they expect some type of uh, care from the federal government, which is not going to come. That's root hog or die. Stevens said, what are we going to do with the slaves? They can root hog or die. That was Stevens thinking of it in terms of how the system worked in the South as a dependent people, and now you break that that care for whatever it was, with of course the threat of the fear of punishment, which made it uh, an abomination for all eternity. But you you do that, and then you create an entirely different type of deplorable situation. Emancipation is the way that emancipation happened was very bad for free blacks in the United States. Thus, when smallpox broke out in Washington in 1862 in a camp not too far from the barracks that Jacobs visited, the virus spread to the Upper South and other parts of Lower South and Mississippi Valley because there was no institutional structure in place to slow it or down or stop it. Freedmen's hospitals, inefficiencies, and the government's refusal to create a permanent medical presence in the post-war South enabled smallpox, a virus that doctors knew how to contain and to treat, to continue to spread among freed slaves. So in other words, this is, this is neglect. I mean, willful neglect of freed people because they just didn't want to take care of them and they wanted to get people out for labor. He says, since the Bureau first arrived in the South, the federal government had planned that it would only be a temporary institution and that state authorities would assume responsibility for freed slaves. Yet when emancipation began and freed slaves sought assistance from these institutions, the leaders of these asylums and almshouses, then added the caveat that only citizens could be admitted. 
Since free slaves were not citizens during the war and the early years of Reconstruction, they were denied admission and remained relegated to the villages, camps, and federally occupied plantations. Again, a willful policy of abuse and neglect by the federal government. There was no plan because they didn't really believe in uh, the way that Lincoln defined freedom or anything else. So, that's a great book, Sick from Freedom, Jim Downs. You should pick that one up. And I've gone a little long here than I wanted to, but the one point of the of that little clip that was actually accurate is where Lincoln didn't free the slaves. And it's the one thing that, of course, the conservatives are um, really picked up on as a conspiracy. Of course, the rest of it's you know just nonsense, leftist Marxist nonsense. Uh, but that part was the accurate part of the entire thing. And the policy of the general government towards free people was atrocious, an abomination in many ways. Um, they could do better, and they didn't. Just like they could have taken better care of Confederate prisoners of war, and they didn't. In other words, the general government, the Lincoln administration, the Republican Party are not to be celebrated as these heroic defenders of freedom and liberty, but um, as the institutors of a policy that would lead to uh, what turned out to be you know, willful mistreatment and neglect of both white and black Southerners during the war. All right. See you tomorrow on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.